0: How do holiday traditions become traditions? It's important to stop and to ask why we do something. And when we walk back through time and history, the origin point at which each tradition introduces itself can be surprising. A holiday tradition requires three elements. A beginning, an embracing of its purpose, and consistent repetition. It begins... It carries meaning. It continues year after year. And sometimes a tradition will catch fire and will spread, first locally, and then globally, if it has enough momentum, enough meaning, and enough excitement. Which leads me to a very specific question. Why do people hang stockings by their fireplaces during Christmas? St. Nicholas has always been known as a gift-giver. His parents left him a substantial inheritance, and Nicholas developed a reputation for giving to those in need, often in secret. Over the centuries, stories sprung from the legend of St. Nicholas's kindness and charity toward others. The most oft-quoted one recounts the tale of a man and his three daughters. The man was too poor to provide a dowry for his daughters to be married and feared for their future. One night Nicholas overheard his fellow villagers talking about the man's plight and decided to help. On three different occasions he delivered a bag of gold to the man's house for each of his daughters. Some accounts suggest Nicholas dropped the bags of gold down the chimney where they landed into the daughter's stockings that were drying by the fireplace. Other versions have Nicholas throwing them through a window of a house and into the stockings. In the early 1800s, Nicholas's stories were brought to America, and more specifically, to New York. A group of men named the Knickerbockers introduced the larger tradition of celebrating the winter holidays at home during the agricultural off-season, and incorporated Dutch celebrations like the Feast of St. Nicholas by hanging stockings in front of a fireplace. Stockings were often filled with oranges, which became a treat for children. And oranges also represented the gold Nicholas gave to the family in need, as some renditions describe three gold balls put into each stocking, instead of coins. In 1823, a poem highlighting the tradition was first published in a New York newspaper called the Troy Sentinel. The poem, titled A Visit from St. Nicholas, famously began, "'Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there." The poem became widely known and repeated during the Christmas holiday. Children heard the story from their parents, and when they got older, they read it to their children and to their grandchildren. And as the story spread further, more and more people decorated their fireplaces with stockings and long socks, in the hopes that St. Nicholas, Santa Claus, would magically fill them as he did every December. Today, we still give gifts to loved ones, and we still hang stockings as we anticipate Santa's return to our homes. And the act of hanging the stockings, often by decorating them first with our families and putting our names on them, has become an American tradition for those who celebrate Christmas. Traditions, like new inventions, can come from finding a better way to do something. For Henry Cole, the need was efficiency. Cole was a prominent educator and a patron of the arts, who later became the first director of the UK's Victoria and Albert Museum. And in 1843, Cole was having difficulty responding to the vast amounts of letters he received from his friends heading into the holiday season. The expansion of the British Postal Service and the rise of the Penny Post, where people could mail letters to anywhere in the country for the price of a penny, resulted in a letter-sending frenzy. Cole, overwhelmed by the task in front of him, sought an easier option. To save time, Cole streamlined his letter's format. He contacted an artist friend about designing an image for his letter. The image depicted two scenes that captured the spirit of Christmas, acts of charity, and a festive meal with family and friends. Above the image was a header that read, two, followed by a blank line. Cole would personalize each one by filling in the recipient's name and a banner in the center of the image wished the recipient a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. At the bottom of the letter was another blank, with the word FROM, so Cole could sign his name to it. In addition to printing a number of the letters to send to his friends, Cole also created a thousand copies to sell. And soon, the Christmas card was born. Recipients saw the time-saving capabilities in this method and began to have their own cards printed to send during the holidays. The first American Christmas card was created in 1875 and over the next few decades spurred a trend of producing artistic winter or religious scenes that were heavy on talent and light on text. The cards later adopted a standard size of 4 by 6 inches, Folded once and were accompanied by their own envelopes. Artists like Norman Rockwell capitalized on the trend, creating new and exciting images that would become iconic depictions of the season, as well as staples of the Americana tinged era. In solving a problem for himself, Henry Cole created an industry, one that gave people the opportunity to wish one another Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays across the globe. Sending Christmas cards and hanging personalized stockings to be filled by Santa are two traditions that have developed over time, and are memorable activities many do to celebrate at the end of each year. And in the Star Wars community, one collector has created a special holiday tradition of his own. One that involves opening his home to friends and fellow collectors each December for an unforgettable weekend in Pennsylvania. This is the story behind Sithmas, a multi-club event celebrating Star Wars and the holidays. This is a conversation with Mike DiStefano on how Sithmas has grown into a must-attend meetup for Star Wars fans and what it is like to host it. This is another special tradition for a special season and a perfect way to close out the year. And this is Star Wars Prototypes and Production. It's beginning to look a lot like Sythmus. Mike DiStefano, a collector from the Lancaster region of Pennsylvania, hosts an annual event at his home each December called Sithmas. It's a celebration of the holidays, done with a nod to Star Wars and collecting. And since its inception, Sythmus continues to become more and more popular. What began as a one-day event is now spread across a winter weekend. It has grown in size as well and currently includes friends and collectors spanning five regional Star Wars collecting clubs. Attendees travel hours and from other states to be a part of what has truly become one of the collector highlights of the year for many of us. Each year, the weekend kicks off that Friday with a collector's dinner at a local restaurant. Then on Saturday, the main event takes place at Mike's house. It is a day of festivities. Complete with a white Bantha gift exchange, tours of Mike's incredible collection rooms, and a group dinner. But the best part is being able to spend a few days in the company of those who share a love for Star Wars and collecting. And every moment we have together during the year is invaluable. And the weekend ends on Sunday with a trip to a local diner for one final meal together. Sithmas affords collectors to end the year on a really positive and memorable note. For Mike, the evolution of Sithmas has far exceeded what he ever imagined it would become. As he prepares for this year's event, Mike will be welcoming 80 people into his home for the celebration. Think about that. Some families have 20 or 30 people over for Thanksgiving. That's a lot of people. Sithmas has grown to almost three times that amount. I attended Sithmas for the first time last year. If you'd like to hear a recap of the event, along with clips from that Saturday, please check out episode 116, titled A Sithmas Story, Celebrating the Holidays with Four Star Wars Collectors Clubs in Pennsylvania. That weekend was a great one. And in the days after Sithmas, Mike and I discussed recording a conversation about what it was like to host a large collector's event at his home. We decided it would be more fun to do a chat in the weeks leading up to the next Sythmus. So we held the idea for a year. And how quickly that year flew. As we approached the end of 2023 and the arrival of another Sythmus house party, Mike and I finally sat down for our collector's conversation. I had so many questions for him. I wanted to know the origin of the event and how it evolved over the years. I wanted to hear his perspective on hosting and what the meetup meant to him. And I wanted to know what it was like to have created a new holiday tradition within the Star Wars community. Since we are officially in the holiday season now, let's hang a few stockings by the fireplace, pour ourselves some hot chocolate, and talk to Mike DiStefano about the magic of hosting another Sithmas. Mike, Merry Sithmas, I can't believe it's been a year since the last time we were at your house and celebrating. Uh, We're looking forward to this next big event that's coming up in the next week or so. Um, I have some some very quick questions that I want to ask you surrounding Christmas and the holidays for you. Um, So when you think of Christmas and the holidays, what's
1: a childhood memory that comes to your mind? Childhood memory being seven years old. It would have been 1980, and having the family together around the family room with the fireplace going, and there were my parents, we lived with my grandmother, and there were my brother and sister and I, so six of us, and just the joy and wonder of waking up Christmas morning and seeing, did I get that Death Star for Christmas or not? Was it something else? And those are really good core memories from growing up in Philadelphia. Did you get that Death Star? I did. Is that, would you consider that to be one of the most memorable gifts you received for Christmas? When I was younger, sure, I'd have to think more about as I got older, but that is still to this day my favorite Star Wars playset toy in general. Just all the things you could do with the, the multi-layers of the Death Star and how you can reenact the, the Star Wars world, which was right in my wheelhouse at that point in my life. And as an adult now, how many Death Stars do you own? I own multiple. That's part <laughs> of the, the the centerpieces in the collection is the nine Death Stars that it takes to make one half of a full Death Star in the three and three quarter inch world. It's one of my favorite pieces in all of collecting. Uh, out of uh, you know,
0: uh, our friends have amazing items, but that one to me is just one of those that that just stands out. Seeing nine in in a in a full circle like that. Um, so, yeah, thank you for, for sharing that with us and then the story behind it. Um, I, I love that. Um, I'm glad to know that Christmas is, uh, has been special to you now that you're a husband and a father, uh, a father of three wonderful girls. Um, uh, what is your, your memory that, um, a family memory that stands out from Christmas's past?
1: So. The idea of the kids sitting at the top of the stairs when they're younger. So this is, they're all teenage or older at this point. When we were, when they were younger, we would ask them not to go downstairs so that there would be the magic and one would not ruin it for the others. So they'd all sit at the top of the stairs until they were all ready to go. And they're like waiting and then they're slowly creeping down the steps to see. And then they peek around the corner when they get to a point where it's not just a wall anymore. And then the excitement of them running into the room, that is the magic of Christmas, seeing it through a children's eyes so that um, you, you fill them with the wonder and the, the joy of Christmas and the spirit of giving and seeing that they uh, have carried that as they've gotten older. It's pretty neat. But that that's my, my favorite memory of my kids is them just waiting patiently at the top of the chairs. My brother, sister, and I would not have done that. We would have ran into the room and been <laughs> looking everyone else up and said, time to go. It's presents. Let's go. Let's open them.
0: Yeah. Sleeping on Christmas Eve is one of the toughest things a kid has to endure. Absolutely. Uh, during the year. Um, so what is or has been a
1: tradition for your family during the holidays? For us, it it continues. Well, actually, there's several. You know, it starts on Christmas Eve. We go to a service and then we'll go over to a friend's house. Uh, So a bunch of neighborhood friends, we get together and it really starts Christmas Eve. And then we'll come home and we'll put on It's a Wonderful Life. And we'll watch that while we're winding down the evening and then in Christmas morning, it's about family. And my, my family now is scattered across Pennsylvania and Maryland. Uh, my wife's family lives a mile from us. And we, we have a time spent it together with both families. And times we've done multiple days of Christmas because that's just the way the schedule works. Now with our, our daughters being older and one of them has a boyfriend, we're, we're into that dynamic now of splitting up. Um, will we have them on Thanksgiving? Will we have her on Christmas? Or how is that going to work? So it's uh, our life when my wife and I were dating playing out again through our children now. Very interesting. That, yeah, it's interesting the way that that comes full circle. Um,
0: but it, it also sounds like, too, as your family is now, you know, and will be growing, um, you will have more unique celebrations and it'll be markedly different from the, you know, the, the past few decades as well for you.
1: It's fair to say we've entered that different phase as they are now grown into young ladies and what that will bring. So you mentioned before that on Christmas Eve, you watch It's a Wonderful Life. Do
0: you have a personal favorite Christmas movie?
1: It is It's a Wonderful Life. There are so many good ones, but that's the one that... The the message inside of it is so powerful. And what I found... Interesting last year is our youngest daughter watched it in her, it was one of her high school classes. And I expected her to come home and, and say, oh, it's black and white. And I want to be clear, the kids come and go from the room all the time, but they never really sit and watch it. And then they'll go to bed and they'll miss the ending. But to see it through Haley's eyes as... She was seeing the power of a movie that's, that's in black and white. And what kid wants to watch a black and white movie today? But to see it and, and see her really grasp that message was really cool, considering that's a movie I probably did not watch until I was in my 20s. And instantly, it's like, why didn't I watch this sooner? This is great. Is
0: there a Christmas film that others enjoy that maybe never resonated
1: with you? that others enjoy Uh, i don't know within my family we they are big fans of christmas vacation they like elf uh die hard's a classic and it is a christmas movie (laughs) Uh, it's uh a christmas story is one that you know we do the 24 hours of ralphie and those are the ones that the family gravitates towards uh but they've also introduced us to Christmas with the Cranks and other movies like that. That are a little bit more modern and, and take on maybe the the state of society and the, the craziness that the holidays can bring. <laughs> yes. Like, I, I don't know that uh, th- there's probably a really good answer to your question. But those are other movies that enter our realm that maybe I watch a little bit more because other people in my family find them to be some of their favorites. Home alone. That's in interesting. Yeah, because we, we, we do get introduced to stuff
0: through our our family members and through our friends. And a lot of times we we tend to appreciate them more because we're seeing them a lot of times through our loved ones' eyes. Um, so, oh, I'm glad you you have so many too that you um, that you like and appreciate. I, I'm the same way. I mean, the modern ones with Christmas, uh, with the Cranks, and even Elf. Elf has become one of my favorite ones to watch uh, with my family every year as well too. So, um, there's certainly enough Christmas movies and holiday movies uh, to keep us entertained. So, what would you say to someone who has never watched the 1978
1: Star Wars Holiday Special? I'm laughing because I just sat through the event that Sean Moynihan put together, and my wife sat and watched it for the first time probably ever. And about not even 12 minutes in, she's like, this is terrible. (laughs) Surprised it went 12 minutes. And I said, I don't disagree. I said, but it is... It, it, for, so for someone who's never watched it, this is your question. Uh, you're not missing anything. If you're a huge Star Wars fan, you don't need to see this one. If you are a crazy Star Wars fan, like many of us probably listening to this, yeah, you need to watch it once. The Boba Fett cartoon is pretty cool. And you probably don't need to ever watch it again.
0: Yeah, it's really, there's an historical element to it because most you know a number of the main cast is in it. And then there are some famous actors and actresses and celebrities of that time that are in it. Um, And you do have really the first appearance of Boba Fett in that cartoon. So uh, yeah, it's one of those things where I feel like every person has to watch it at least once just to experience it, but then you can leave it there.
1: You really could, but hey, you get Art Carney, you get B. Arthur. There are some true gems in there. <laughs> Absolutely. And there
0: are some songs, too, which it just still blows my mind, but yeah. You're not um, helping the cause there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, speaking of Star Wars, if you were going to write Santa Claus
1: this year, what would be one Star Wars item on your list? That is a very good question. One Star Wars item on my list. Okay, so I'm going to dream big here. And there are three vintage carded figures that I I have not acquired. So I'm going to go with Santa. I've been really good this year. And if a carded yak face showed up, well, this little boy would smile tremendously.
0: So I think Santa, the first question that Santa would ask you back on that is, um, are you looking for a Power of the Force carded yak face or would you
1: settle or be happy with a tri yak face. I feel like I'd be greedy if I insisted on it being a power of the force. So I would be content with either. Okay. Well, you know what? You never know. You truly never know.
0: So, uh, just, you know, hopefully you've been a good boy this year and, uh, <laughs> you have something to look forward to, uh, within, you know, the, the next coming uh, months.
1: One can always hope.
0: <laughs> All right. So, so you you've established yourself as a Star Wars collector. I know you as as a fellow Star Wars collector. What kinds of Star Wars items do you collect?
1: The answer starts with the the vintage toys. Uh, those are uh, so I still to this day own all of the original vintage toys that my brother and sister and I had growing up, and that's the core of what's there. But it goes beyond that. When Star Wars was reintroduced in the 90s, like many people, I got caught up in the the craze of the Kenner re-release. But where I settled in for probably the next decade was in the autograph world. I had an encounter at the local mall in Harrisburg where there were, it was basically the Men Behind the Mask tour uh, came for autographs, and that really lit the torch for autographs that... Um, was sort of the next area that I jumped in. Uh, why stop there when there are so many other good options? So a couple other areas that I get into, a uh, big fan of Lego. I still think to this day that it is the best toy ever invented. So when Star Wars and Lego partnered up, I uh, began collecting uh, the, the Lego for Star Wars. And uh, I might go as far as to say I've always been a fan of puzzles, so, been a big puzzle collector as well. And sprinkled inside of all of that, David, is the a myriad of modern items over the years, too. I think you'd have to include swag in there, too, right? I suppose you could do that, especially patches.
0: <laughs> well, I love your collection. I got to see it for the first time at Sith Mist last year, which I think is incredible because... The Sithmas event is the result of your fandom and your attachment to your fellow collectors and and to your friends. Um, So how would you describe
1: Sithmas to a fellow Star Wars collector? So Sithmas is the Pennsylvania Star Wars Collecting Society's holiday event, and because Pennsylvania is long, we split between East and West. So I'll get into the history a little bit here, where this is an event that the Western uh, side of the club started back in 2016. And they were doing the event for a few years. And inside of it is, you know, obviously a holiday get together and and all the stuff that comes with that. And, and they have a white Bantha gift in there. So think white elephant uh, gift exchange and the fun that that brings with the ability to steal gifts and the surprise of not knowing what's behind there. And so you have these, these things that make a normal meeting just a little more special because it's around the holidays. And at the end of the day, it's a meetup of friends and collectors inside of the clubs and it's clubs plural now. And it's just a way for us to get together and share some holiday spirit. And, oh, yeah, the White Bantha continues to exist as part of the event as well.
0: And so the way the, way the White Bantha works is that um, each person brings an item um, of a designated amount. And then um, and that, that gift is wrapped. And then attendees that are there are able to pick one gift uh, at random and then you know so you'll have like person number 1 go up they pick up a gift and then they can either they, they so they hold on to that gift the person number 2 goes and picks up a gift and they can either take person number 1's gift or they can keep their own and it just continues like that and you can steal gifts uh, and there's only a certain amount of times that a gift can be stolen so that's really how the white elephant and it it's it's a it's a game that um, happens you know, around the holidays. It happens in offices. It, it happens in, you know, in, in church groups and in, you know, in, in people's homes. And it's something that you guys have taken and turned into the White Bantha, which is a great one. And a lot of the gifts that are exchanged
1: during Sithmas are Star Wars related, which is really nice. Correct. And the, the more people you have and the more open they are to stealing gifts – uh, the more fun it becomes because it turns into chaos in the best possible ways. Yeah, and even if, you're, if you go into it pretty
0: lax and you, know, you don't really care which item you, you get or whatever, once a really good item turns up, uh, you can get very competitive and you can get really,
1: uh, you get really invested in the game, which is a lot of fun. You can, and then there's a strategy inside of it because a gift can only be stolen so many times, as you mentioned, and then people sometimes team up together to make sure a certain person gets a gift, and <laughs> it, it does. But that's yes. the, the fun chaos um, that ensues. Okay, so how did you first get the idea for Sithmas? So as I alluded to, uh, it was something that the the Western part of Pennsylvania Stars Collecting Society started. And Scott and Nikki Fetsik uh, should get the credit for the, the term Sythmus. Not that they invented Sythmus, but they started calling the event "Sithmas" back in 2016. And so Pennsylvania's got, because of where we are, the weather can be very interesting in December. It could be sunny and 50, or it could be snowy and 25 degrees, and to drive across the state, is not always practical, especially in late December or early January when they would traditionally hold their event. So after seeing them and the fun that they had for three years, I'm like, hey, what if we did an event on the eastern side at the same time and doing it on the same day, we could link up through Zoom or some other uh, vehicle that we could link the, the two sides of the state together. So basically stole the idea that the FET6 had created out (laughs) west. And in that very first year, wouldn't you know, so it's the end of December and we got a snowstorm. And so what was going to be the the meetup for December that month turned out to be uh, five people because most people weren't comfortable driving because the conditions were a little bit worse than everybody expected. And, Okay, well, we had the event and it was good. You know, sometimes when you have the small meetings, they're great for really getting to connect with the few people that are are there. So we did it in twenty eighteen, and the thought was, all right, well, let's do it again in twenty nineteen, same exact format, only we'll try and order a little better weather this time. And we did get a little better weather, and uh, we did ours on. The east side and the the western did theirs on the same day. We had about 15 or 16 people in 2019. And that one worked the way that we had hoped that it would, where we could link together the two sides of the states. And uh, that's really the origins of how it came to be part of both western and eastern uh, Pennsylvania clubs event in December. And I'll pause there because it takes a twist shortly after that. Okay, so as you were planning your first, the first iteration
0: of the meetup at your home, um, did you receive any advice or any encouragement from any particular friends or fellow collectors?
1: So, in that first iteration of Sithmas on the eastern side of Pennsylvania, it really talked a lot with Scott and Nikki Fetsick on what did they do, how did they do it, because we wanted to emulate that. You could see the the fellowship and the camaraderie that was coming out of the Western versions of that for the first few years. So we really just wanted to talk with them, uh, talk to a couple other members out in the West who are regulars, and just got the idea of how, how can we do this in a way that lets both sides of the state share in the same merriment of the holidays. And so we did the white bantha, you know, we did cookies because you can't have a Christmas party without cookies. And of course having, right. And, and having hosted meetings before I was comfortable with the format and in general, you knew you get anywhere from probably a dozen people to 20 on the Eastern side. So I don't know that there was much more thought than understanding what Scott and Nikki did. And then making that part of what we were doing here on the eastern side. Okay, and how was the first experience for you? Other than me shoveling an hour before uh, people showed up so that they could park in the <laughs> <and> driveway, it, <laughs> yes. it was it was good. You know, we toyed back and forth. Should we call it off? Should we not? Like the weather really changed the dynamics that day. And as we looked out at the forecast, it was going to be sunny. So if you could get on the road then you would be fine. Or if you lived in the central part of the state, meaning anywhere from Carlisle on east, so Carlisle, Harrisburg, Hershey, Lancaster, you were going to be fine because the storm was moving west to east. If you were on the eastern side, Philadelphia, Allentown areas, it would be a little bit more challenging to get here because you'd be driving through more of the conditions that hadn't cleared up yet. So in the end, there were several people who were willing to come. We decided to have it. And in that small meeting, we still did the games. We did a very small gift exchange and uh, just enjoyed hanging out as if it almost felt more like a regular meeting without some of the holiday inside of it, because it didn't really have the same level of attendance because of the weather.
0: Do you think that worked toward your benefit where you were able to get into the rhythm of hosting a Star Wars-themed collector's event like that without having something like, you know, 20, 30, 40 people attend the first
1: time? I think so. I think that coupled with the second year really allowed us to get into our rhythm. That first year it was, okay, I hope some people show up. And if we get more than the five that said they would come, then that's a bonus. If we don't, then we'll have a good time with the five of us. The following year in 2019, when we had 15, That really started to take on some of the the feel that I had hoped for and had come to witness that had happened on the west side when you would hear Scott and Nicky or Bill Cable or Bill Fryer talk about uh, how how much fun those events were. So it was those first two years combined that really set the stage for what would come post-COVID. So other than the weather, were there any
0: challenges that you faced um, for those first two meetups?
1: I don't think so. I, I think they went off as most meetings do. They, they tend to be three, four five hours and, and people can come and go as they need uh, based on what their schedules are. There really wasn't anything other than I probably had some games planned that first year, which would have been considerably better if there were more than five people to play them. But really nothing derailed the event or made the event feel like it didn't come off as as planned and maybe the fact David that we hadn't really done one of these on the eastern side helped and even in the second year we didn't know how they really should go other than the anecdotal stories we heard from the western side
0: and I I think that's nice because it seems like you were able to slowly adapt to it and to take it on really one year at a time. It was growing slowly, you know, giving you an opportunity to stay up to speed with it. Um, and I, and I guess to, to kind of see it from a forward perspective as well, um, and to enjoy it more than rather than being overwhelmed with having it be, you know, uh, whatever, a yeah, 50 person meet up the first time. Um, so, so from 2019 on, how has it
1: evolved? So 2019, we had the event and we're like, all right, we're going to do this again next year. And that was the plan. Obviously, COVID rolled in in 2020 and we did not hold an event that year. Uh, but a couple of things happened along the way. So in 2018, I had the chance to attend an international collector's event And that sort of opened my eyes to how big some of the meetings can be uh, and pulled off very successfully. It's the first time I had attended something like that outside of the Pennsylvania Stores Collecting Society Summer Socials, which would have 50 or 60 people. But there's a recipe and a format to those that having been involved in the club for 20 years, you kind of knew how that was going to work. So having my eyes opened up to the bigger collecting community on a meeting across multiple state attendees and, and an international element to it. And then in 2020, I remember Georgia held their virtual summer social. And to see an extension of the cross club community connect through that way, in a way where we're all just starved for people's or interaction with people in and ways to connect in the community; um, those are two additional events that factor into what Sithmis became. And, and there's one more thing along the way. So in 2021, I had the opportunity to host a portion of one of the international collecting events, and there was about 65 to 70 people here at our place, and it's like, okay. So this can work on a scale uh, considerably larger. We had no idea how many people our, our place could hold and accommodate through a, an event that might be six, seven, eight hours long. So, in, in hosting that event and being a part of that weekend, uh, it was not quite to the scale that it could have been because of COVID and the, the state of the world. Even in 2021, where you vaccinated, where you're not vaccinated, and We're still trying to wrap our heads around all of it, all of what it meant to have these big gatherings. And I wanted to sort of take something away from that that said, you know what, if you're comfortable being around a large group, then I'd like you to be able to come regardless of what your position is or feeling or opinion If you're comfortable and you want to be a part of it, great. If you're not, I respect that and understand. But I wanted to give people an opportunity to get together. So what I did as a follow-up to that event in 2021 was reached out to Eric Janicki in D.C. and Tom Quinn in the Empire group and see if there'd be any interest in having a joint meetup of the D.C., Pennsylvania, and New York groups in and around Sythmus. and they both came back with a resounding, we love that idea. And so what do we need to do to uh, get the groups together? So between the international collecting event and what Georgia did across multiple clubs and then the experience I had earlier in that year uh, kind of led to uh, me reaching out to Tom and Eric to say, okay, Let's see if we can do this. And, and that's how we got into the multi-club version of Sith Mess. It's amazing the path that you, that your meetup has taken
0: over really the last five years. Um, and so you had mentioned a few things in there that I wanted to, to go in a, a little fuller on. So the Georgia Alliance held a virtual summer social um, when we couldn't be together in person as as a club and a multi club event, um, and so it was you know an online uh, event that took place over the course of a weekend had a bunch of uh, different panels you know by collectors and, and by people who were Star Wars enthusiasts, and it was a really connective way for us to stay together when we couldn't be together. And then the um, the Ice Event, which is the International Collectors Event, is a privately held event. Um, and it usually consists of about 100 to 130 collectors um, who will descend upon one specific region of the country, and it'll be over the course of a long weekend. And at that time, they will tour the homes of different collectors, and then they'll go to different events, you know, outside of of people's homes as well too, that are unique to that to that location in that area. So you and I had met at the ice event that took place in um, 2018 in New York, that's really where we became friends. Um, and uh, it was that I think that was such a monumental thing for the both of us, because we were able to see what one of these larger events were like. And I, I know that the Empire State Club was inspired to do the annual because of that. And it really sounds like after you saw that event of 2018 and the one that you had hosted in 2021 that really gave you the, the energy and, and
1: the, the propulsion to put together a multi-club meetup at your home. Absolutely did. And you can't see that. I'm smiling just thinking about how many connections both of us were able to make at, at that event in 2018 and then subsequently at the annual in 2019 as a follow-up. And it did. It, it sort of opened my eyes to the bigger community and it fueled the the interest in doing something, really, let me say it this way, how can I give back? And, and this was a way that I could give back and create some connective fabric between the groups. Uh, and I don't know that I could have ever imagined that it would come off the way that it did in that first Sithmas event. I was blown away by the participation from the three clubs. Not surprised by Pennsylvania because these are my friends that I've made over a long time. But the representation from D.C. and New York was uh, it, it was it blew my mind.
0: And this was the 2021 Sythmus event after the ice event
1: in Pennsylvania. Correct. So my wife thinks I'm crazy for turning around and wanting to do it again, but <laughs> I'm not crazy because it was awesome. The The ability to get together with so many of your friends that you, we, we, as a group, yes, we get to see people at celebration, or if we're fortunate enough to be able to attend events like the annual or the Georgia Alliance Summer Social, or you go out to the toy shows where there's some gatherings, but those, those happen once or twice. Um, if we're lucky, in a year. So to have this opportunity to see my friends from Pennsylvania, New York, Virginia, D.C., Maryland area, um, and then the new friends that have been made because of it has been amazing. And I'll just jump in a little bit, David, into what that first event looked like. It was 50 people. So we went from five people to 15 people to 50 people. So there was better attendance because word was getting out from the Pennsylvania inside of the Pennsylvania group. But then also the interest of people coming down from New York and, and North from the DC area was not anything that I expected. Yes. Maybe you thought you get five or 10 from each group, but to jump up 35 in that first year was like, all right, now I'm freaking out a little bit. Cause how are we going to pull all this together? And you, you quickly pull from other events or you tap into other people who have pulled off events like this that kind of ballooned up in a hurry. You know, you think of some conversations with Chris Riley that, uh, it, that he had trying to work through the annual and, and others that he partnered with. And you quickly realize that, like many things, if you share the workload or the ideas and the brainstorming, it becomes pretty, pretty lightweight. I love the fact that you
0: had this event at your house in the summer of 2021 and then turned right around <laughs> to your wife's disappointment and said, hey, we're going to do this in December as well, too, and we're going to, to, to ramp it up. But I think it's a true testament to how enjoyable and how connective something like that is and that you were able to then personalize it and make it um, an event for the holidays and to have it again at, at your home and i think i think it works for for two reasons or three reasons one is that you are a tremendous person you you have a way of of really connecting and bonding with people and i know that you know seeing you at at all the events and the conventions and the the shows that we've we've been to together um it really it's always had a really great effect um on on me and on on you know all of our friends around us. And I, I think, you know, people are very excited to be in the company of someone who is as excited about collecting and life and, and others as you are. So I, I think that that's that's a superpower that works really well for you. And then I think, you know, we as a group all love to be together. And and that's compounded with you naming this Sithmas, where it's more than just a a house party. Right, because I think now, especially as adults, if you were to try to get people to come to a house party, especially from with you know dealing with people who live in completely other states and different areas and regions of the country, um, it might be a little more difficult. But the fact that this is a Star Wars centric, you know, and, and a themed party of Sithmas, I think everybody wanted to really come together toward the end of the year and spend at least one more time together in a very celebratory and happy way. And you really provided
1: that as the host. Thank you for all of those kind words. And I've heard from people that when they when the date gets put out when Scythmas is going to be, and we do a save the date pretty early in the year so people can get it on their calendars, but they really do refer to this as a, a holiday family get-together or this is this is Christmas for me. This is the holidays for me. And I, I couldn't have imagined that that would be what this would turn into. Uh, creating a space for people to get together was always something fun. Many in the community have connected me with others, and this was a way to pay it forward and to be able to link people who might not normally get to have a chance to get to a celebration or or the previously mentioned annual. And now you're putting like people together and lots of like people who bring other like people together lead to big parties, big house parties. I'm picturing maybe (laughs) this year we need kid and play. I just saw them in a commercial. So maybe they're, they're available for hire.
0: (laughs) Well, and so it, this, it's, it's fascinating because again, um, I think you've really hit it on the head where, you have given adults a new holiday tradition. Star Wars fans and collectors now have a new tradition around the holidays where I know for me, Sithmas is now part of the Thanksgiving to New Year's um, joy of, of of the end of the year and the, and the holidays. It's something that I look forward to every year. My first time going was last year, um, and I had an incredible time. I, I can't wait! I mean, as soon as as soon as I got home from it, I marked it on my calendar. You know, it was ready for for this year's.
1: Um, but what was last year's meetup like for you? Last year's meetup was a continuation of the the year before, and so some additional wrinkles in the best possible way came up. So, Bill Cable, who's the president and founder of the Pennsylvania Stars Collector Society, said, "Hey, Mike, he's like, how about we?" We Would you be open to changing the date so that we could have them on different days? So I could come east to Eastern Scythmas and see some of my friends because it be really cool to hang out with people from New York and D.C. And then that would give you a chance to come out west to do the Western Scythmas, which I had never had a chance to do. And so there was that. And like, you know what, I really like that idea. And hey, it's a chance to hang out with Bill. And along the way, because word gets out, um, I get an email or a a Facebook message from guys from the Ontario group saying, hey, would it be all right if we crash the party? And it would be, it was three of them that came down. So it's like, okay, yeah, absolutely. And I had, uh, and actually had met Chris Porteous before, but it was Jimmy Mack and and Toby. And I had not really, I, I hadn't personally met toby or jimmy before so to have them come here and spend the weekend here was uh, and when i said there were multiple wrinkles that was the other one that was great like to have a chance to to meet new collectors who uh had heard about it through the empire and probably word of mouth um that was in a way it it, it gets to you like wow this is pretty neat that this is building like this and what, is, what does it feel like to have people from Canada
0: come down, you know, that are willing to travel down? Because the, the Canadian contingent, like Toby, Chris, uh, Jim, like they're wonderful guys. And it, it's amazing. Like they bring such an excitement um, wherever they, you know, whenever they're traveling. And I I just always think it's amazing that they're able to come to these events and that they want to be a part of it.
1: So in general, I think Canadians are probably nicer than Americans. Is kind okay. of people, And so I didn't really know them and I didn't know what they would bring, but maybe the best way to answer it is if they weren't going to be able to attend this year, I would have felt some disappointment. The good news is they are coming and they're bringing some Absolutely. friends. Which is wonder, you know,
0: again, like it's, it, it, it's another Testament. It means that this was good enough not only to come back, but to expand the circle of friends that you're bringing this time.
1: Yes. And you can echo that for what the empire group has done and people who have come down and brought. And the same thing for DC. I have met people that I would not normally have had a chance to cross paths with because of the good work that they've done to promote the event inside of their own club. And I love the idea of this being a multi-regional club event. And that maybe is the thing I feel best about is that we're putting people together who are all like-minded and we have interests that are all centered around Star Wars, but we're so much more than that. And there are parts of my collection that people see and they're like, I didn't know you were into that. So-and-so in my family does that. And it opens up ideas for conversations that you never, never even expected it, to a person you had never even met more than an hour ago. And then at the end of the day, which is usually the next morning, people are saying, are you doing this again next year? Because count me in if you are. That's the highest compliment I think I could ever receive for hosting an event like that.
0: And I, that was certainly the question that I had um, that night as I was leaving was I hope you're planning on doing this again because it is, it is really special. Like, I was trying to think, we don't have very many activities that are multi group or multi club activities um, because a lot of times the ones that we do are your bigger conventions or your, your bigger toy shows and
1: meetups. Correct. And, you know, we do, we get the annualslash semi annual. Slash semi-annual. And and Georgia pulls other members in across the country from different clubs. But I don't know that there's quite the organized intent of multi-regional clubs. And I don't know that I've ever thought about that until you just said that, David. And it makes it very special and it makes your meetup really unique. I think it does. Hmm. Interesting. I I love hearing your perspective on what the event was after the first year.
0: And so how many groups and clubs in total were represented last year
1: at your meetup? So last year in 2022, we had four. So it was Pennsylvania. It was Empire. It was the DC area. And because the Canadians came down, we had the Ontario group as part of it as well. Okay. And you had made this a
0: multi-day event, really, where it kicked off on Friday night with a group meal. Um, Could you tell us a little bit about that evening and what it was like for you?
1: So, yes, we did uh, with Bill Cable coming in town, and he brought uh, a friend with him, Bill Fryer. Uh, So we knew we were going to get together the night before, and the Canadians came down and we said, if anybody else is in town, uh, let's get together at a local microbrew and we'll grab dinner and hang out and chat and get caught up on things. So probably wound up being about 12 of us in total. And the Canadians had started in advance of the rest of us because I was waiting for some people to get here. And then we were all going to head on out. And, you know, when you get a group of people who haven't seen each other, it takes a little bit longer to get out the door. So they had a head start on us. And when we got over there, uh, so that's where I met Jim and Toby and, and reconnected with Chris um, for Jim and Toby the first time. So we spent probably three hours um, at this little microbrew, took up probably half of their one seating area because they unfortunately had a fire in the back room earlier that month. And it just set the tone for what the next day was going to be. And it kind of, it was like a soft easing into it, knowing that at one o'clock, it's going to be Pandora's box opened up with people showing up in waves. And it also helped to have people in town to extra hands made for light work the next morning to get ready. A couple errands that needed to be ran here and there. And of course, we didn't go to bed right at midnight. You know, we probably stayed up till 1.30 hanging out and making the most of that time. So that was the precursor to the main event on Saturday.
0: And you said that it eased you into the event. Did it feel official on Friday night, or did it still feel like it was
1: Christmas Eve to Christmas? I think when people started to show up and they would come here as they arrived, so one by one uh, people would get here, And that's when it started to feel real. Usually it's the chaos of preparation because in my personal life, I tend to procrastinate saving all of the the good work for my job. So when people started to show up, it it cemented that, okay, it's here, it's here. Now we can start to let go of all of the things that I think still need to get done and and just start to immerse yourself in the fun. So I, I, I did find that to be helpful in a small dose on Friday night to get your mind set up to it is Christmas morning the next day. When everybody starts showing up and you start to see people that you haven't seen in a year or two, there's a a giddy excitement that comes from that feeling, that magic, the magic of being around your friends and sharing the holiday spirit with them. And, and knowing that what starts at one o'clock is not going to end in 12 hours. It's probably going to be a little bit more than that. So you definitely were excited on on um,
0: that Saturday morning. Do you tend to get anxious at all, or is it mostly just excitement?
1: No, it, it's excitement. The, the anxiousness is is what happens before everybody shows up, even on Friday night. It's the how am I going to get all of this stuff done that I think I need to get done? In reality, I probably don't need to get half of it done, but it's the idea of, I want everything to be perfect. I want it to be perfect for the guests that are going to come and be here. And if anything in my mind over time, I've come to accept the fact that even though we'll be around each other for 12 or 13 hours, it's never enough time to connect with everybody in the way that you want to. But, There is time to connect with everybody in some way. And so you capture these small moments and and you accept them that um, what you're doing is allowing everybody else to have that that interconnectivity and people who maybe somebody lives in upstate New York who never would have interacted with somebody in southern Virginia. And you see them playing a game of pool in the corner and laughing and, and having a good time and forming that friendship that's the gift to me.
0: I think it's so special and it's so nice that you are willing to open your door, uh, to your home to, to bring us all in and to have us be a part of, of, of something like this, you know, where we can all be together. We can, and it's, it's done in a very festive environment. Um, can you give us kind of a, just a brief overall view or schedule of what that Saturday was like?
1: Okay. So doors open at one o'clock, which is, uh, you know, if people show up early, then you're welcome. Come on in. I'm probably going to put you to work. You know, you're going to put out food or you're going to set up some chairs or something if you show up early. But at one o'clock, it it starts with a small wave and then more and more people come. And at that point, the, the festivities go on instantly. And it's, connecting with everybody to say hello and you know it's fun watching people come and then make the rounds around the room before they even get their coat off and they're saying hi to everybody and they don't have time to take their coat off but there'll be some light hors d'oeuvres and food out to hold people over until the white bantha which will start around 2 or 2 30 and that is the sort of the centerpiece of event uh, because with 50 or 60 people It takes a while to go through all of that. So last year I handed that off, thankfully, to Mark Rusciano, who accepted the responsibility, and Mark emceed the three hours like only Mark could do and ushered everybody through a long, grueling festival of white bantha. that He held everybody's attention in the the kitchen area because they're watching which gift is coming next. Is somebody gonna steal it? Is it gonna be opened? Um, so to have that taken off my plate actually gave me time to connect with people, maybe more at that point than anything else. So after White Bantha turns into we have our meal, and then the out comes the desserts, and there are other things happening throughout the day, which include the tours of the collection room. There's a pool table here, we do some tabletop hockey. There's plenty of areas for people to sit. We do, and uh, we open up the garage into the swap meet selling area. So think room sales on a small scale. And so there's something for everybody here. And that something may just be, I'm content having conversations with people on any topic over the course of the next eight hours.
0: And it's nice that you have different rooms where people can connect um even in the garage too um you're right it, it was like room sales I mean one of the pieces that was in there, which was really cool was i believe it was a forty one back display header you know which is something that you just you don't normally see um or a display bell I guess but um mm-hmm. you know there were there were some really great pieces in there there were there was everything from you know your typical Star Wars magazines and smaller ephemera all the way up to your your You know, higher end collectibles. And um, it was nice because you could just basically walk in there at any point during the day and evening. And if something caught your eye, you could connect with the person who brought it and and make a deal with them for it. So um, I know a number of people picked up some really great pieces from that. And that was special. Um, but you have all of these moments throughout the day. We even we took a group photo, which was really nice. Uh, I know uh, most of the time was really spent just talking and laughing with people and and connecting before the end of the year. In that way, um, there's always something really special about these meetups, though, because they they bring upon a lot of these smaller moments, right? Moments that you know your convention has the big panel or the big reveal, but a lot of this is the smaller moments can you give us a, an idea of a, a snapshot of some of the smaller moments that you can
1: recall from, from your event? I can, you know, the first one that leaps into mind is around 11 o'clock uh, for the last two years, Tom Quinn and I, um, who grew up with tabletop hockey. So little pole, it's it, little poles that move the the hockey players, but we'll carve out time to sit there and play. And and Tom actually had a 3D Stanley Cup printed last year that became the the trophy that we're playing for. <laughs> and so you have stuff like that. Like I remember the laughter and the merriment as the evening went on around the pool table and, and seeing people that you you didn't know. Like James Gallo was playing pool and I didn't know I wouldn't have expected James Gallo to be um playing pool, um, for, for a while. And then I just found myself watching them playing pool and walking upstairs to go out and see how things were going in the garage and seeing Tom Quinn having a conversation with FJ just in a quiet little corner where they could connect. And then going up to the collecting area that I have above my garage, and seeing people's reaction to what sits up in the loft. And then conversations about the wall of running medals. And invariably people say, did you run all the miles? And to some extent, yes, I did, but I didn't do all of the races um, because many of them are virtual. But there's memories and tie-ins to things that, like Jason West, is he does triathlons, and that led into a conversation that I had with him around the, the fact that we both like to do events like races. And for him, it's a little bit more with the biking and the, the swimming as well. Um, it's David, you coming here and, and going outside and, and sitting in your car and then coming back in. And I think you can speak to just how loud it is inside of here when you step away and you, maybe it's said the opposite. It's so quiet when you get outside of the house and that's the sign, like this house is filled up with all of the conversation and the laughter and that's pretty neat. And then you walk outside and there's Ed Nagy and Ron Salvatore having a conversation with their jackets on because it's warm inside and there's a place where they can uh, just kind of step outside for a little bit. These are the little moments that are pretty cool and at the end of the night, for those that are still left, we just sit down and we're all exhausted, but none of us want to go to sleep and none of us want others to leave. And you just kind of recap on how is life going? You know, Maybe not Star Wars related, but just how is life? Mike Ritter, how are you feeling about the Jets? Mark Rusciano, tell me you're feeling on the Rangers today. Maybe I didn't have to ask. Maybe he just told me anyway. <laughs> it, it's It's those moments. I remember last year, David, at the end of the night, me, you, and Chris Riley hanging out in the the place where I have all of my vintage collections from when I was a kid. And we played a little game of figure out which which four are missing of the carded vintage figures. And that was fun to see like Chris just kind of lead that. I think Eric Janicki. I keep mispronouncing it right. It's Yanisha? Am I is that Yanashay yes, Yanasha. Yeah. Uh, but just those small moments, and those are my moments those aren't the moments that you know the other forty nine people had those are just some of the ones that I remember well, and it's funny because one of my favorite
0: moments um happened after midnight it was It was you, me, and Chris. You took Chris and me on a tour of your three collection rooms, and so we got to see your vintage collection we got to see your collection of Uh, Lego and puzzles. And then we got to go up to the loft to see the modern stuff along with the um, the swag and your medals. And we had conversations for a long time around all the different areas of collecting. And it was just one of my favorite memories from it. Um, And I was thinking about it this week. And I really wanted to know, like, what is your experience of sharing your collection and to be able to share your collection at a meetup that is
1: at your home? What is that like for you? So the first thought that probably most people have the, when they roll out their collection is, is it going to be good enough? And that doesn't matter anymore. These are the things that I collect that I want to hold on to, as in the case of the vintage toys that I have. And and there are strong core memories of my brother and I in particular where we'd spend a lot of time doing it. So once you get past the fact that I'm not worried about how other people will perceive it, then your mind gets at ease. Now, when you share it with other people, the best part about sharing a collection is the conversations you can have because everybody will see something different in a collection that catches their eye or makes them curious. And that leads to stories, which lead to memories, which lead to them sharing memories. And it can be Lego. It can be vintage. It can be modern. It can be the running story that I shared it with Jason. It can be um, the fact that I I do enjoy the West end games, role-playing stuff from the late eighties, early nineties and, how that can turn into a conversation. Or we do a Star Wars Christmas tree and somebody catches an ornament that was handmade by my friend, Tom and his wife. And you have a conversation about that or the puzzle that my dad made for me um, when it became a birthday gift. And so you unlock these memories that, allow other people to unlock their shared stories and memories that they have and why, why they ask about something is just as interesting to me as opposed to, you know, them asking as to, Hey, you know, how did you get this piece? And I'm like, Hey, what made you ask about that piece? And that's the fun is to hear their perspective and their, their interest in a certain item um, that maybe you had no idea about before. I don't know if this
0: is something that is exclusive only to collectors, but I know it when when you're a collector and you go through someone else's collection, you know, and and you walk with them and they get to explain the different items and these pieces that are Star Wars related and non-Star Wars related, or that are, you know, were sold in stores or we're created by, you know, our friends. There's something really powerful in that and really connective and emotionally connective where I I, I've always felt very close to you, but I felt after I saw your collection and got to spend that time with you through your home and through your collection that I felt even more attached to you and 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 closer to you. Um, do you find like, is that a meaningful experience for you to be able to
1: to to share that and and those stories with others? It is, and you know we talk about these tangible things that we collect and inside of this and you've hinted at it many times it's it's really about the friendships and the people and i'm fascinated by the things that interest them and and make people tick and at the start of an event you don't sit there and think you know people would have the same interest in that regard about you it's it's like more focused on the the other person so the fact that people are asking questions and interested in certain items. And, and sometimes it's purely from a collecting standpoint, like, oh, I hadn't known. I remember having a conversation with Narayan about how one of the, the carded Boba Fett I have was a, a, a back, and I don't remember which one, and he will be able to tell you in an instant, that he had not seen before. And um, so you have parts of conversations that are like that, and then other parts – are, so please explain to me why you have a mirror under your nine Death Stars. That's interesting. And there's a whole story around that.
0: I love the Death Star. And I I think you had shared your story behind how you had acquired the Death Stars and why they were important to you with me when I was touring your collection last year. And then you had gotten the mirror as well, too. And you had explained the purpose of the mirror underneath it. Um
1: so could you could you give a little bit of context as to why you have that? I can. So first the Death Stars. We had one growing up and then I found another one riding my bike home carrying my brother's basketball and ditched the basketball to take the Death Star home and then ran back so my brother wouldn't kick my butt to get the basketball and hope to God it was still there. And then it just turned into like how many how many Death Stars does it take? And the answer is not five, six, seven, eight, it's nine. And so when I was, I actually first shared all nine Death Stars with the Pennsylvania Club at the first Sithmas. And Tom Rothenberger, who's a good friend of mine in the club, looked at me and said, Well, Mike, technically, you only have half a Death Star. And I just looked at him and I'm like, I hate you. <laughs> I'm like, How could you do that? It's like the worst thing you could say to somebody. <laughs> And he just had that devilish smile that Tom can have. And I thought, you know, he's right, though. I'm like, how do you do this? I'm like, no way you can do it upside down. That just wouldn't work. Oh, a mirror would be a very simple fix to this. And I had a a long mirror that had been taken off of a wall. So I put that under to simulate um, the fact that if you look straight down at it, it looks like you have a full Death Star. And so this stands on an island in the middle of your collection. It does. So in the one, I guess you could call it a bedroom that we I converted into the collection room, which houses my vintage toys and then vintage toys from when I was a kid. And then the ones that I've acquired in my adult life, um, the centerpiece in that room when you walk in is the, the nine Death Stars sitting on the mirror on the island in the middle. I love it. As I said, it's one of my favorite pieces, um, not only in your collection,
0: but just out of uh, almost every collection that I've ever seen, and uh, I, I think it's so unique. And it also it really harkens back to that time that when each of us received a um, a Death Star as, as as a child and was able to to play with this thing that was in some ways larger than us at the time, and you know really <laughs> just larger than us as far as what we could visualize for a, a playset or for a toy. Um, especially in the 70s and 80s, I mean, it was just so special. Um, so you've done a really good job with that. Um, I love that you are able to take people into your different collection rooms and to show them um, the, you know, different items, but also to give people just a very special day. Um, so when it comes to somebody coming to your home as a guest, what do you hope that they'll experience?
1: The connectivity of the groups that we are able to bring together. There are so many good people in each of the clubs the fact that we can blur those lines and, and make for a bigger collecting community is what I hope people experience. I hope that they'll meet somebody that they haven't met before and walk away with a new friend.
0: Was Sithmas a blur for you overall, or did it, did you have opportunities to take pieces of it in at different times?
1: I think there are moments where I can take it in, but they can be brief. So my family typically finds other things to do, and I don't blame them um, because it's the holidays, so they might go build a gingerbread house somewhere or take in a show. So in part, as the the only family member here, um, I've learned to rely on some friends for help throughout the day. But still, when you have 50 or 60 people here, there's always something going. And being a good host, you want to make sure everybody has enough to drink, enough food to eat, that there's ice still being available for people. And if um, trash needs to be taken out, you're checking on things like that. But there are those quiet moments where you will round a corner and you'll see something you didn't expect to see, or you'll run into somebody who just happened to be alone at the time, and you can steal a moment right there. There is a, there are some. There was a really cool thing that the DC members did for me last year in the White Bantha, where they they strategized to steal a gift on its final attempt. It was a piece of artwork that I that is done by Bill Cable. That I enjoy his art. Um, So you have those moments where they will absolutely make a mark on you inside of it too. So it. Generally is a blur, but you do get those moments. And then at the end of the night, when we get to sit down, that's when I can immerse myself and just say, okay, everybody have a good day? Because I had a great day. And I don't remember the day, but it was a great day. I think I stayed
0: until 1.30, 1.45 in the morning. And I had gotten to see that time where everyone had a chance to sit down and to relax and um, and it, it did seem like you know you had you had a lot of time to relax in that latter part of the evening, um, but the so Sithmas might have been over at that point, but the, the Sithmas weekend wasn't over. Sunday morning, we a lot of us
1: got up and we all met at Gus's Diner for breakfast. That has become a tradition to hang out at Gus's and see what kind of uh, locals we can interact with there, and. It was. It's so nice because to me, it
0: was something that was immensely special and important. You know, to be able to meet up the day after. Um, I always feel like it's a different perspective on a meetup that way, where you, you're seeing your friends again, but in a different environment, and uh, it seems to solidify and to deepen the friendships. What What do you get from a breakfast like that on a Sunday?
1: So besides the entire restaurant singing to me because people tell the waitress it's my birthday, which it is not, <laughs> the it is a chance for those that are staying over to just have some conversation without the activities going on um, before they go. Because once they leave, the holidays are full on. You know, the next three weeks will be filled with company parties, family gatherings, last-minute Christmas shopping um, commitments. You know, Hanukkah will happen inside of there. And so you have other events that will keep us from getting together. But it's that final final time where you don't want it to end. So you get a little bit of a extra bonus um, the next morning over – just while you're waiting for your food, it's time to talk to, to people. And, yeah, you can't talk to everybody and not all 60 people go to breakfast. But if 15 or 20 of us went, then we'll spend the hour, hour and a half in the restaurant and then it feels like another hour saying goodbye to each other in the parking lot. And it's topped off by having the entire... <laughs> diner
0: sing to you have i mean people we don't even know the the, literally the entire room which is this big sprawling room of the diner i mean everyone was was singing happy birthday to you and then clapping and i remember sitting there and i I remember looking going oh my gosh like mike was so focused on sithmas that he didn't even tell anyone it was was his birthday and a friend leaned over to me and was like his birthday's in
1: january (laughs) yeah it's not really my birthday (laughs)
0: But it was it was so great. It, it was uh, it was a really a really fun, and it, it just felt kind of like it, I'd liken it to almost a, a moment at the Disney parks, where it's one of those weird magical moments that just happens where you just feel really good. But it was it was nice in a way for for me, and I know for a number of people sitting around me, like it felt like a nice way to celebrate you and what you brought to us for that weekend, um, to to sing Happy Birthday to you, to you know
1: acknowledge you in that way, and then uh, even if it wasn't your birthday. It was a really fun way. At first, you're like, "It's not my oh, All right, just lean into this because <laughs> it was a really thoughtful gesture, and um, I got a free piece of cake out of it. So that was you a can't win. Go wrong,
0: absolutely. Well, I'm glad it happened. I'm glad that I was there to um, to be a part of it too and to experience it firsthand. Because uh, I think I really would have regretted not being there with you. Um, what's the the planning like for this
1: year's event? So we are in the home stretch, so about 10 days away from the event and I am slowly piecing together the the things that I've pulled apart and nothing motivates you like a deadline. So I will get it done. Over 30 years of working, my experience has taught me I'm the only person who knows if I truly get it done or not. So I will tuck stuff into the corners and in the closets for the things that I didn't quite get the way I wanted and only I'll know that they're really off. But that allows me to focus then on, okay, let's finalize the guest list with some people who have indicated they may be coming, but had to work out some plans. Let's finalize the food. Let's coordinate who's coming in the day before, who will be staying into Sunday. So it's more of uh, you get into logistics mode, and getting all of that ready. But I did take apart a little bit of the loft and I'm gonna be working this weekend to get the rest of that back together again. Okay,
0: that sounds like a fun project, especially, you know, someone who's seen the loft, I can tell you it's uh it's it's really amazing up there. It's it's like a uh it's like a look at the past 25 years of Star Wars memorabilia, which is really incredible. Um so I know that you expand on the idea of Sithmas each year. Is there going to be
1: anything different in your approach this December? So we have an even bigger event. Um, So one of the thoughts I had after the first year was, could we add another club? And Ontario presented itself and is like, okay, so which other ones are relatively close and who else could we find reasons to get together into this? So this year, the Northeast, Star Wars group is going to be sending down some members. Um, So they'll be joining us. Ontario is back again, as we mentioned. Uh, But we also have some people traveling from a little bit further, from Indiana and Ohio. So I'm beyond excited to have a reason to hang out with them in December and to have them here. And we are tweaking the White Bantha a little bit. Uh, Mark Rusciano teased that this morning. And so that will remain a mystery until uh, Saturday, uh, December 2nd, when everybody's here. But general guidelines are the same, but it's with a little bit new twist so that we can manage the time a little bit better with, and we are trending over 70 this year. So that is amazing and mind-blowing that we're going to be north of 70 attendees this year.
0: It is really incredible, but I I think it also speaks to the excitement that comes with something like this. Um, If there was someone listening to this that was considering hosting a meetup, a smaller meetup, um, at at their home in the coming year,
1: what advice would you give to them? So, yes, start smaller. Don't have 70 people come over to your house for the first time you're hosting a meeting. But really, what you need to do is just have space that people can congregate because every meeting will have a little bit different feel to it. Star Wars will be the thing that brings us together, but there doesn't have to be anything planned, uh, anything grand in any way. It can just be, Hey, I'd like to get together with like-minded people who are interested in Star Wars. And it doesn't have to be the same type of interest, but, creating that space for people to get together is often all it takes. And that's how it started for me. The very first meeting I ever went to was at Bill Cable's house and there were just a few people there. And that allowed you to have the conversations that became the foundation for the friendships later on. Um, You don't have to have a grand collection or multiple collection rooms. Really what you need to do is just have the intent to, to bring people together and, share in in star wars but then it'll be so much more than that
0: uh i really I, I i really love that i love hearing it i love the fact that you took a risk on this and that you turned it into something really special um, i know i'm looking forward to attending my second sithmas um, if somebody was interested in attending a future sithmas or one of the larger collector meetups
1: what's the best way for them to get connected so for Sithmas in the future, the the easiest way to get connected is to be active inside of the regional clubs. Uh, that's really where the foundation of a lot of these relationships start. And being a part of a, a local club not only gets you uh, the ability to, to learn and, and hear about events like Sithmas to be able to attend, but there are so many other events that happen throughout the year in pennsylvania we have our summer social and brad portnoy hosts a meeting every january and the the western side of the state meets a little bit more frequently than the eastern side um and and these local meetups are the the really the fabric of the pennsylvania club and being someone who's open to joining in on the club and the fun um, that's really where it starts. So if you're a member in good standing and you're a member of Pennsylvania, Empire, D.C., Northeast, Ohio, Indiana, um, then chances are you you had a chance to be invited to this. So that really cements the fact that being active in the local clubs um, is, is the best way to learn about these types of events. Yeah, and I think it needs to be said too that you know these are
0: in a lot of ways private events because you're going into people's homes, so there needs to be a, a sense of trust that develops and a lot of times that that you know it develops over time um but it is it is really good to be a part of the regional clubs to be connected that way. There are so many creative um and, and innovative events that we as a community put together in the name of star wars in the name of of you know fellowship that way um are there any? meetups that you're looking forward to attending or Star Wars related events in 2024?
1: So there are a couple Pennsylvania events that are more or less staples because they happen every year. I mentioned Brad Portnoy typically hosts a meeting in January. Uh, Our summer social, the Pennsylvania Star Wars Collector Society summer social is the single largest club event of the year often between 60 and 75 people where everybody from the state comes together we rotate that around the state so that it's not in one specific area every time so those are the two that are on the calendar so far i also have signed up to attend the rogue fun event in georgia in may And those are the three that I have my radar on right now. And hopefully there'll be several more that pop up coming up. I hear you might take a trip out to one of the toy shows in King County or so. So if you need a co-pilot, we should talk. King County or Xenia toy show. uh, There are two
0: that I'm really looking forward to attending and I would love to set up a meetup around either one of them. I think that's a, that's a nice goal for 2024. Um, So just to end this, Mike, um, Why is hosting so meaningful to you?
1: Hosting is meaningful to me. And I think it's fair to say that it really takes a village. While our home is the home that is the place people will congregate, there is a group of people who help me pull this off. And it couldn't be done without them. But it's meaningful to me because it's a reason to connect with my friends in a world that often moves so fast and a year has gone by so quickly. And so many things are happening in our lives that sometimes keep us from being able to be connected, even online. You know, there, there are the Sunday or the Saturday night meetups and chats and I just can't make it. My, uh, my time with my family takes over on Saturday. So I have every intention of joining one of them and then 52 weeks go by and here we are and it's Sythmus again. And what to me, it's, it's being able to see our friends and, and shake hands and hug each other and, and just really kick off the holiday season by being around each other. Well,
0: Mike, I look forward to kicking off the holiday season with you in person at your home for Sythmus. Um, And I'm I'm just I'm so thankful that you um, you shared a little bit about your experience, you know, today with me. And um, I I think it's a fascinating story. I think it's one of those that makes our hobby and and collecting and the world of Star Wars so unique. Um, So I'm looking forward to seeing you (laughs) very shortly. And uh, I think it will be a
1: weekend uh, that we just an unforgettable, memorable weekend. I look forward to continuing to make memories and catching up with everybody and uh, continuing the tradition that has become something that I'm happy to say and proud to say that people look forward to. Mike, I love you. You are a wonderful human being, and uh, I, I'm going to wish you an early Happy Sythmus. Thank you very much, and I will wish you a Happy Sythmus in person in 10 days. <laughs> All right, I'll see you then. See you, David.